Hey folks, I'm Josh Schlossberg, host of the Green Root Podcast, the official podcast of Eco Integrity Alliance, eco-integrityalliance.org, where we're on a quest to uncover the roots of the modern ecological crisis. This episode, we have Chad Hansen. Dr. Chad Hansen is a forest ecologist with the John Muir Project and the author of the book Smokescreen, Debunking Wildfire Myths to Save Our Forests and Our Climate. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Chad. My pleasure. Thank you. So folks who have been following the podcast, which has become intermittent these days, knows that I've been covering the media coverage of some of the Eco-Integrity Alliance campaigns, which have been mostly wildfire forest stuff as of late. And I'm a could say a former journalist, a journalist on sabbatical, whatever. I've worked in the media field from all sorts of angles. And so kind of I've been doing these deep dives on these different articles as they come out. Did one for Denver Post, which was a pretty good article. Did one for Colorado Sun, which is a pretty bad article, laying it all out. I've been trying to get this entity called High Country News. They're in the mountains of Colorado. They do stuff that seems like conservation-based uh information and journalism and opinion throughout the West. And I have for almost literally a decade been either trying to write articles for them or get them to cover something to do with forests, wildfire, biomass energy. It's been really difficult. Finally, they wrote a piece uh, about a month ago. And well, I won't reveal anything just yet, but I was going to do a one of my own podcast deep dives on it. And then Chad Hansen put out an article in Counterpunch as a response to that. And I was like, oh, well, Chad is clearly the person to do this debunking. He is far better equipped than I am. So that's why we have Chad on. So that's what we're going to talk about for this episode is basically this article, um, what's, what's <laughs> mostly what's wrong with it. I think it's going to be hard to find what's right about it. So, uh, yeah, and I just uh, I want to get into you talking instead of me in a second, Chad, but I just want to lay out a little more history with High Country News. So I was working as a journalist and not to toot my own horn, I don't care, but I did win a bunch of awards for my journalism. I was doing balanced journalism across the board. I'm going to talk to the industry. I'm going to talk to um, agencies, going to talk to activists. And I was trying to write an article for them on biomass because there's a biomass facility in Colorado and it is less than 100 miles from their uh, high country news office and they log forests basically right by the office. And I kept talking to them, hey, I, here's a press release or, or here's a here's a summary of what I'd like to write about. Would you be into this? And they kept they saying no. They kept saying no. It's like, that's weird. And finally, they said something like, listen, we're not going to just do have you write an article on just this one biomass facility it would have to be about the other biomass facilities in the area and so i sent them a map that shows well this is the only one like this is the one in colorado the closest large one was in arizona and i'd be happy to write about that if you want dead air and i was like this is a weird response then i looked at their board of directors and at the time, I don't remember if it was two or three, but I will state this as a fact, there were either two or three folks who are either in or directly affiliated with the biomass industry. So they had those folks on the board. That's when I started realizing, oh, th this is a, 
there's a bit of a conflict of interest and those folks are no longer on the board. However, just finally after I've been sending them press releases since I've switched back to advocacy for the last, I mean, like year or so, they wouldn't report on the, the wildfire, quote, thinning, logging going on in Colorado. Finally, they wrote an article. Now I can stop talking because Chad, what's your take on the article? Well, it was uh, candidly just a hit piece. I mean, it it, it included um, two two key things. Number one, it 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 claimed that uh, there is a uh, a clear settled issue scientifically with regard to thinning a wildfire. That all the scientists agree. Um, that uh, essentially all of them. And um, and then there's this one you know kind of pesky guy. Who who keeps saying it's a bad idea, and they, they named me, um, and then included a whole series of personal attacks, basically character assassination against me. All right, so two two main problems there. First of all, uh, they didn't mention the fact that uh, the the strong weight of scientific evidence is actually extremely critical of uh, thinning as a wildfire management strategy for a host of reasons we can get into. Um, the, the largest of which is the fact that you know, fires are driven mostly by weather and climate factors, not by how many trees there are, how many live trees or dead trees. It's really about, you know, hot, dry, windy conditions. And um, and uh, you know, this the second thing is that um, uh, with regard to the character assassination, they didn't even bother to reach out to me and ask me for a comment. Uh, they didn't reach out by email. They didn't reach out by phone. Um, they've been uh, <laughs> essentially brushed me off when I, I followed up by email after their story ran. Um, and uh, one of the things that was really funny is that you know they they their, their personal attack on me uh, said I have conflicts of interest, and they referenced a 2019 letter to the editor by uh, a number of Forest Service funded scientists. Uh, and their main argument was that I'm a I'm both a lawyer and a scientist, and that those two professions have different and competing ethical duties. And that I, I, I write briefs and, and argue cases in court and file lawsuits. And uh, problem is, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I've never been a lawyer. <laughs> um, I, I guess they must have heard I have a law degree from 1995, but I changed career direction right after law school for a host of reasons. And and um, I never took the bar exam. I've never been a lawyer. Yeah, that didn't matter to them. Of course, this was again. This was about character assassination. The facts were not the issue. Um, and the funny thing is, is that they only quoted one scientist. Um, a Forest Service scientist named Gavin Jones, who um, is not an expert on thinning and wildfire behavior. Um, uh, he has not published research on that subject. And so the, the article was frankly bizarre um, on, on multiple levels. Yeah. So I try to look at things from three different perspectives with my media analysis stuff. So there's the science. And in this case, they ticked some Forest Service studies. So talk about conflict of interest, the advocacy component, you know, that I care about, like, obviously, they did one sided, and they didn't give the other side. Um, so that sucks for forest advocacy, but then the journalism component. And this was, uh, I, I would say this is a breach of media ethics is what they did um, the idea, like, I, all journalists are biased. You know, and when I worked on these things, I was very aware of my bias, which made me work even harder to be like, I'm going to portray the Forest Service, the industry in as best a light as possible here. I'm going to give them the response to other people's criticism because I'm aware of my bias. Here's what's so funny about 
this particular article other than the fact that it just talks to the Forest Service as the definitive science, which is like, come on, who who really believes that? The fact that it didn't talk to you or anyone else. Um, and then you look and see who it's written by. It's written by somebody who is a former firefighter working for the Forest Service. So paid for a staffer of the Forest Service. Like, it's so funny, the projection of conflict of interest. It's like this article is the essence of conflict of interest. Um, yeah, it's called Does Thinning Work for Fire Prevention? The rundown on what scientists find actually works to protect forests and homes. And yeah, it was, I would agree, it's a hit piece. It targeted you. If it didn't target you as an individual and just did one-sided version of the science, it would still have been a travesty. But the fact that they brought you into it and then didn't even like, hey, uh, Dr. Hansen, we're going to be talking a bit about you. This is what's said. Do you have any response? Not even an effort, which I think, I mean, this was the final nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned for high country news, which has, I think it started as maybe closer to an advocacy entity, maybe, which, you know, has its own bias or whatever. Then maybe for a while they were doing balanced journalism. Not anymore, at least not on these topics. Uh, and so, you know, I, I contacted them and I, I, I said to them things like, uh, you know, basically what I what I just said now um, and then how even the, all of their statements about, all right, well, this is just the thinning that they're doing. It's like I've been sending you all at High Country News press releases with photographs of what's going on in the front range of Colorado, you know, that's about 100 miles away. That's actually showing them cutting down 100 plus year old trees. And it's like, why didn't that make it into the article at all? You know, so they they just completely ignored they made no effort whatsoever. Um, I see a lot of journalism doing this because they're lazy or because they are ignorant. I would say in this case, this is their just official stance, and they're not even trying anymore to provide a, a you know balanced or even an effort to get the other side. Do you feel like that's an accurate? characterization that's objectively what happened here yeah that's that's exactly what happened yeah it was it was alarming and you i mean we could maybe i could like go through a couple of the pieces i mean i definitely don't want to promote their <laughs> their article and anything like that but just going through some of the the little pieces and maybe you can you can comment on that. Your article itself does a great job of that. So if we really want to get into the weeds, if anyone wants to get into the, the details of this, check out uh, Chad's piece on Counterpunch. It's called High Country News Engages in Climate Change, Denialism, and Greenwashing. Um, so, so maybe just before we get into a couple of the details, we won't, we're not going to beat a dead horse here, but I do want to get into some of their, their quotes. Um, why would you say they're engaging in climate change denialism? And uh, I would say the greenwashing is pretty self-evident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that, um, thanks. That's a good good question. And um, I would even add another term to that, which is gaslighting. I mean, they're basically gaslighting the public here. What they said very directly was that uh, there is almost unanimity among scientists that thinning is a great idea uh, for climate, for wildfires, and that uh, there are these sort of... Um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a tiny number of people who think it's a, who think, think it's a bad idea, and they mentioned me. I'm the only one they specifically mentioned by name. By the way, they didn't even mention that I'm a scientist. They didn't mention that I'm a PhD. 
that I've published dozens of studies in peer-reviewed journals. Uh, I've got two books to my credit. Um, none of that was mentioned. You know, you just you would, if you're reading the article, you would just think that I'm just some guy who who doesn't like you know tree stumps or something. Here's what they left out. There are hundreds of scientists, myself included, who have published research uh, showing that uh, um, th this type of logging, which they kind of euphemistically call thinning, um, is bad for the climate, that it's not an effective wildfire strategy, uh, that the fires just blow right through those thinned areas because they're driven by winds. In fact, they oftentimes move faster through thin forests toward towns putting people at greater risk, that it increases carbon emissions dramatically, uh, three times the carbon emissions per acre uh, relative to wildfire alone, um, that it causes, causes all kinds of damage to wildlife habitat. And um, you know, hundreds of us have written letters to Congress saying, move away from these policies. They're a bad idea. And this is not some, you know, some secret. These, these letters have been well publicized, have been covered in the press repeatedly. And High Country News had every reason to know that. Now, of course, if they had reached out to me, if they had bothered to reach out to me, it's the first thing I would have told them. And so the fact is, is that the, the, the strong weight of scientific opinion and scientific evidence counters what they said in the High Country News piece. And yet they lied and said that there's almost unanimity in the science in favor of thinning. The second thing they did, which I think is another example of gaslighting, is that they tried to make the argument that thinning isn't logging. Now, right. if you if you search hard enough on the Forest Service's you know websites for different national forests, if you really really search hard enough, you can find a thinning project that's not a logging project. Okay, that happens, but you have to work really really hard to find it because it's very much the exception. I would say at, at most one out of twenty. The vast majority of these so-called thinning projects are commercial logging projects. They kill and remove upwards of 70% of the trees in a given stand, oftentimes 90% of the trees in a given stand, including mature trees, including old growth trees. And, um, you know, and what happens there is not only is that reducing forest carbon storage and most of the carbon in the trees they remove goes into the atmosphere, but it changes the microclimate of the forest. You reduce the cooling shade of the forest canopy you create hotter, drier conditions, you reduce the windbreak effect of the forest, which allows the winds to sweep the flames faster through the forest toward towns. It, it's the, the entire notion that this is an effective wildfire strategy is, uh, is contradicted by the overwhelming body of scientific evidence and also just numerous examples of towns burning down after fires swept through huge thinned areas um, and uh, you know, if anything, move faster through those areas before burning down homes. For sure. Yeah. And any excuse they would have of like, hey, we didn't know about this other stuff. I know personally, I have been hammering probably at least six to eight of the folks who work there, including the editors for close to a decade with all this information. So there's no way that they aren't aware of that. So the idea of, hey, we didn't know, which even if that was the case, they should follow up with a uh, correction or, or uh, another article. But yeah, they, they had no interest in that. Um, and they're, they're doing it on purpose. I mean, at the very least, it's like even terrible journalism would be like, you know, a sentence at the end. Yeah, a few, you know, here's here's what a few people say, but whatever. And, and they don't even do that. They're just, here is what was said by the bad guys. And we're going to put a bunch of propaganda to to kind of 
tear that apart. So maybe just really quickly, because I know you did get into some of these things, but just they have about four boldface phrases that maybe you can just kind of eviscerate real quick uh, sure. to go through. So, I mean, yeah, you do have to have a bit of knowledge to be able to see a lot of the really surreptitious ways in which they just kind of lay out false statements as true and, and won't get into all those details. But so their first, their first bold face thinning is not logging. You, you just kind of covered that, but um, you know, they're saying it's more like woody weeding. Now th there's a, there are these two proposals in Colorado right now that I've been looking at that are wildfire risk reduction quote uh, you know, thinning and, they, they state right there that 25% of all the logging is clear cutting at least. And then, you know, clear cuts also up to 40 acres in size. So it's like, this isn't like, they're not even hiding the fact anymore. They're saying that they're thinning down in Jefferson County where I'm currently living uh, in the parks there. And they literally cut down clear cut and cut down hundreds and hundreds of mature and old growth trees up to 130 years of age. So Thinning is not logging is what they say. What, what's yeah. your model to that? Right. Well, I mean, I already covered a little bit of that, but I'll add a couple of things. So first of all, yeah, you're right. And when they say thinning, just, you know, watch out because it's one of the most uh, deceptive and dangerous euphemisms for commercial logging that we've seen um, in the history of this issue. Um, you know, when people hear the term thinning, you know, and I talk to people all the time about this, you know, like, well, you know, if they're not really educated on the issue, if they're not informed, you know, like, what do they, what do they think? You know, what, what does that mean? And they, they think, well, you know, I hear that, uh, you know, that, that the Forest Service wants to remove some small trees and underbrush, you know, and you'll hear that phrase over and over again. And Forest Service spokespeople and scientists funded by the Forest Service will say that again and again. Oh, we need thinning to remove small trees and underbrush. Well, yeah, they do remove some small trees, but most of the wood, most of the biomass, most of the carbon that's being removed from the forest in these so-called thinning projects is in the form of mature and old growth trees, overwhelmingly. And um, and you know, it's not just uh, it's not just they're removing them; they're selling these trees to logging companies and keeping the revenue. That's what the Forest Service is doing. So this, they're literally in the commercial logging business. And uh, for them to say that this is not uh, logging um, is is again just just dishonest on its face and for high country news to to uh to promote that dishonesty um it's really appalling here uh when you know in their in their environmental analysis documents like environmental assessments you know they'll they'll use all the euphemisms the forest service they'll say well this is fire risk reduction this is forest health you know etc um restoration you know, there's a whole series of euphemisms thinning's just the, the biggest one but when they get down to brass tacks after they sign a decision they sell those trees to logging companies, and those those contracts are called timber sale contracts in every single case. So yeah, I mean it's um this is this is logging that's just being dressed up as something else because they know the public's concerned about logging, and so they want to lie to the public and say it's something different. Sure. Yeah. One of the questions I guess I would have <laughs> for you. So here in the county stuff. So obviously there's this patchwork of federal, state, county, sometimes even municipal forests. And they are, they say over and over again, hey, we're not making a ton of money from the sale of these logs, you know, whatever. But my, and tell me if this is accurate, whether or not that's true, they are making some money, but there is all of this federal money that's basically paying for it anyway. So I see a lot of this as not just propping up a dying timber industry, but also just glutting these agencies and giving them 
a reason to continue to exist. Would you say that's also part of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you raised this. There's two things that people kind of get wrong about this. And, and it, it's, it's just part of the obfuscation of this issue. Um, they'll raise the issue, well, you know, some of these, these agencies, whether they're talking about, you know, the U.S. Forest Service or some state agencies or even county entities, they'll say, well, you know, their expenses are higher than their revenues, so it must not be commercial logging. And that is the biggest deception out there, really, because <clears throat> when the Forest Service does these, these commercial logging projects that they euphemistically call thinning or fuels reduction, yeah, their expenses are always higher than their revenues. And that's true of entities at state and county levels too. But the, the thing that they're missing is that first of all, the logging companies are making a lot of money. They're they're selling, they're they're making this is a, a commercial logging operation. They're making a lot of money. And then they're contributing a portion of that money to campaign contributions to politicians at state and federal levels to keep these policies going. And what those politicians are doing is appropriating huge amounts of money, billions and billions of dollars now, to subsidize these logging operations. And, and so the agencies are financially incentivized in a perverse way to promote logging, not just because of the revenue that they're getting. And, you know, and even if they're not getting revenue, the main thing is the appropriated funds to continue to do this. If they're getting money from Congress to say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to give you hundreds of millions of dollars um, and uh, to do these logging projects, but you got to call it thinning and fuel reduction. Um, that's what they're going to do. And so, um, you know, it's really just a corrupt system. What people don't realize is that the U.S. Forest Service is getting money in both directions. They get appropriated money from Congress to do these logging projects and to lie about it essentially to the public. And then they augment that funding further by selling the public trees to private logging companies and keeping the revenue. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're financially incentivized in the wrong ways uh, over, over and over and over again, no matter how you look at it. And really what it comes down to is we just need to get the U.S. Forest Service and the other, the other federal public land agencies out of the commercial logging business. And that's Congress's job, and it's their fault for not doing that. No, agreed. Yeah. And also just to make the point, it's also happening state and county, the same stuff. And a lot of this can be federal dollars. And yeah, it's funny. They make the argument, hey, we're not making a lot of money on this in terms of the selling. It's like they're like, well, so they're doing like bad business by selling out, you know, our uh, forests that have so many other uses than just being cut down. And they're like, look, just because we're, we're making bad business deals, don't don't blame us. Like that's their defense. You know, like we're not making tons of money through the sale of the logs itself. It's like, well, that that's that gaslighting thing. It's like, well, look over here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been billions. It's been like between three to four billion has been federally allotted as of late. The Colorado congressional delegation, which has become the biggest cheerleaders in the country, and they're all Democrats, is asking for 60 billion, six zero. I thought that was a typo. Um, it's not, they're not gonna get 60 billion, I hope, but $60 billion is what they want for more of this logging stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, as a, as a journalist, somebody who's worked in journalism, also a fiction writer, um, Forest Service and the logging industry and all that, they're masters of manipulative language. Like, Almost were, I, I, I have grudging respect for the way that they use their Orwellian language. It's it's quite amazing. It's almost like the way um, the military, US military did during 
Vietnam, stuff like that, like just the way that they couch their terms, it's it's quite phenomenal. It's remarkable. And in fact, you know, in my book, Smokescreen, I devote an entire chapter to the, the use and misuse of language and frankly, the weaponization of language in ways that would make George Orwell blush. Yeah, they're they're really, really good at what they do in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, this let's just go into a couple more of the just the uh, bold faces here and then we can kind of, you know, put this to bed. But all right, when they say. Thinning does not make wildfires more destructive. What would be your response to that? Well, there is a large and growing body of science, including science from Forest Service funded scientists, that says that uh, fires are driven mostly by weather and climate factors and uh, basically hot, dry, windy conditions. And when you thin a forest, so called, you make the forest more vulnerable to extreme weather that drives and exacerbates wildfires simply because you change the microclimate. And again, you, you, you reduce the canopy cover of the forest, you create hotter, drier, windier conditions. And uh, also, you know, the logging machinery uh, introduces and spreads the little tiny seeds of um, highly combustible um, invasive grasses like cheatgrass, but there's a whole series of these types of grasses. Cheatgrass is the most common one. And so for a whole range of reasons, um, Thinning does not stop fires, but it does tend to make them move faster. And um, uh, not only that, but it kills more trees than it prevents from being killed. So every study that's looked at that question specifically, including my own research, but also research from others, has found that thinning kills more trees than it prevents from being killed, and it triples carbon emissions per acre relative to wildfire alone. So this is a... a documented demonstrable failure of a management strategy it is not only making climate change worse um it is also putting communities at much greater risk because the fires are burning through these thinned areas faster reaching the towns more quickly which gives people less time to evacuate safely it is diverting scarce resources away from actual community protection measures at work, like home hardening, defensible space, and evacuation assistance. And on top of that, it's giving people in vulnerable communities a very dangerous false sense of security because they're being told by the U.S. Forest Service, by state agencies, by county entities, and by the logging companies that this so-called thinning project out in the wildlands, you know, far from the homes, out there over the ridge, that that's somehow going to act as a fire break, a fuel break, and will stop the fire from reaching the homes. Now, those are lies. Uh, we know that's that's the case. This is not just an abstract, you know, theoretical issue. It's It's been documented not just in the science, but also in case study after case example um, over and over again. We saw it in 2018 in uh, the northern Sierra Nevada um, with a campfire in the town of Paradise that blew through thousands of acres that had been so-called thinned and fuel reduction logging, um, where they told the town specifically it would save them from fire, um, burned down over 14,000 homes and killed 86 people. You know, we saw it uh, two years ago in uh, the Dixie Fire in the town of Greenville. We saw it two years ago in the town of Grizzly Flats with Caldor Fire and, you know, many, many, many other examples that I could name we know this doesn't work. And yet 
they keep pumping Democrats and Republicans. Um, and some, honestly, some of the worst are some of the Democrats, including the Colorado de congressional delegation, uh, want to keep pumping billions of dollars into this failed system that is essentially guaranteeing that more homes are burned and more lives are lost. Yeah, well, thank you for that uh, summary. So last two talking points they have, and then we can put this to, to bed. And I know you, you covered some of this stuff, but just kind of just to hit their points as they go along. Thinning is not a climate change risk. So summarize yeah. that climate argument. So that's the one that that's the one that really bothered me the most. You know, I mean, the personal attacks and the character assassination, you know, that that was that was just so unethical. Um, you know, but I've got thick skin, you know, the, the, but the one that, that really bothered me the most was was that that um, that greenwashing, um, that climate denialism, trying to, to tell their readers that thinning isn't a climate change problem. You know, and again, this is why in my in my response and counterpunch, I quote extensively from two different letters to Congress from hundreds of scientists, including, you know, the top forest and fire ecologists, top climate scientists in the country, telling Congress that, that thinning dramatically increases carbon emissions relative to fire alone, uh, that it doesn't stop fires, um, that it can often make them burn more severely. And, um, and also telling Congress that logging in general, including uh, what's euphemistically called thinning, is actually comparable now in this country to the burning of coal in terms of, in terms of the annual carbon emissions. So this is a really, really big deal. And for them, uh, in, in given all that information and given the hundreds of scientists that have in very public ways um, made those points, and High Country News had every reason to know that, um, for them to say that was, again, in my view, just greenwashing and climate denialism. Yeah, I think that's a really accurate way of framing it. So their last point here, and this one might be a little more complex for sure, but I think it's worth just getting into real quick if you're willing. Thinning sure. should be followed by prescribed fire. Notice that, so they're right away, they're lumping thinning and prescribed fire. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's a slight of hand right there. But what's your take on all that and you know how it might tie into indigenous fire practices over the, the decades? Right. right, so, so this is... Um... This is one of the other you know, big deceptions. Um, fire influences fire. That, that is very, very well documented in the scientific literature. And, and I, am, I have stated in literally hundreds of places over the years, the need for more fire in our forests, because most of our forests have less fire than we did historically. Um, I have promoted uh, what we call wildland fire use as the, as the number one thing, especially in more remote forests, which is basically letting more lightning strikes burn without trying to suppress them. I have uh, supported uh, prescribed fire in certain circumstances and places. Um, and uh, I've supported removing administrative and regulatory barriers that exist currently so we can uh, allow and facilitate more Native American cultural burning. Um, all three of those things um, we need more of. What is dishonest about what High Country News did here is basically the implication that you need to thin the forest before you do some type of burning. Um, that is deeply dishonest. There's literally half a century of scientific research um, 
proving that uh, if you want to introduce fire in any given area, whether it's uh, wildland fire use, also called managed wildfire, or prescribed fire, you don't have to remove a single seedling or shrub. You just do it during mild fire weather if your goal is to get you know a low intensity fire. Now, you know, whether or not that's an appropriate goal ecologically is another question because these ecosystems actually need mixed intensity fire to have the full range of biodiversity. Some species like the areas with surface fire and live trees, and some species like it hot, like blackback woodpeckers and others. You know, they need those patches of fire-killed trees. Actually, incredibly biodiverse. We call it snag forest habitat. But leaving that aside, if a particular, if in a particular area, land managers, for whatever reason, want to get essentially, you know, largely homogeneous, low-intensity surface fire, they can do that in a very effectively by simply starting the prescribed fire in in mild fire weather when it's not hot, dry, windy conditions. Uh, so we know that to be the case. And whenever studies have looked at this and actually just done prescribed fire alone with no thinning versus, you know, thinning plus um, prescribed fire, what we find is that um, you don't have any additive benefit of thinning first before prescribed fire. It's what I call, it's a third variable problem. And, um, you know, I kind of um, make fun of this because um, I call it the blue toothbrush problem. Um, it's like, you know, you, you could correlate, you know, the type of the color of the toothbrush that you use to all kinds of things. If you, if you, um, you know, uh, looked at various aspects of human behavior and, um, you know, it's, it's like, um, it's as if I could design a study and I could say, I'm going to do prescribed burning and every hundred meters as I go through the forest, um, I, I stand on my left leg and hop in a circle. And 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 then say that look, it's a combination of standing on my left leg and hopping in a circle plus prescribed burning that is so effective. It's literally that ridiculous. Um, if you look at the research, and I talk about this extensively and cite lots of studies in my book Smokescreen um, on this very subject. And so the the very notion that somehow we need to thin the forest before we burn is just part of the gaslighting of the public on this issue. Right. Yeah. And even this study that I think I found from your article and I included in some other stuff that I'm writing is a 2021 study that says, so even thinning fire followed by prescribed fire. Because a lot of times when there's thinning and then it burns hotter, they're like, yeah, that's because we didn't do the prescribed fire after the thinning. But this study found, quote, this thinning followed by prescribed fire may increase the risk of fire by increasing sunlight exposure to the forest floor, drying vegetation, promoting understory growth, and increasing wind speed. So it's like, yeah, I don't personally uh, want to oppose um, prescribed fire. I think, yeah, like you said, in some situations it's appropriate, some it may not be, but the way that they're packaging it together as a bundle, like internet and cable, you know, from your cable company, that kind of issue seems to be what's going on. Do you think there's any way to extricate the two prescribed fire and thinning? Oh, sure. And that's what we have to do. You know, we have to extricate extricate all types of fire from uh, any kind of, of logging operations, any kind of tree removal. And by the way, I mean, there's, there's lots of different scientific studies that have found that thinning followed by prescribed fire is uh, often associated with higher overall tree mortality, oftentimes uh, more, more intense wildfire behavior. It's it's just not the, the the solution. 
Um, Finney, uh, prescribed fire alone or managed wildfire alone, any type of fire or, or Native American cultural burning, any type of fire is going to modify subsequent fire behavior for a certain number of years. Not forever, but a certain number of years, maybe a few years, maybe several years, it may be 10 years, depending on the ecosystem. And, um, you know, but you know, in a deeper sense, you know, the goal isn't to suppress fire. Um, we're never going to suppress fire. The goal is to make sure that when fires occur, homes don't burn and people don't lose their lives. That's the goal here. You know, we don't have too much fire in our forests. And the fires that do occur, including the big ones, are creating some of the very best and most biodiverse wildlife habitat that we have in our forests. This is a good thing ecologically. And there's a lot of additional gaslighting going on, you know, telling the public that the forests aren't regenerating um, after fires. You know, that that's also um, more misinformation. And I talk about that extensively in my book, Smokescreen. Um, and there's been some recent studies that, that further that misinformation. And if you look closely at them, they're basically just these theoretical modeling studies that have all these ridiculous assumptions that are not consistent with what you find on the ground. And so, you know, that notion is being weaponized to continue the billions of dollars of, 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 uh, of appropriations flowing into subsidies in these logging projects out in the wildlands instead of protecting homes. Right. And yeah, on that final point there. So you're not saying, hey, we should just let fires, you know, burn down all these houses the issue is the fire is fine in the forest, but then when it gets to the fact that all these people are now moving closer into the forest, there are millions and millions of people at the forest edge. So what do we do about that? Right. That's where the money should be going. You know, the, the overwhelming majority of the money right now um, from state and federal sources is going into backcountry logging projects under these euphemisms. And it's, and it's not stopping fires. If anything, it's making them burn faster cord homes. We need to reverse that 180 degrees and use those funds to do three key things. Number one, home hardening. Help homeowners um, in, in the communities where they need the financial resources, because there are some wealthy communities that don't need the money. They, they're doing this on their own because they have the resources. Help the communities that need the, 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 the help and the resources to make their homes fireproof. Simple things, um, rain gutter guards, ember-proof vents to prevent those embers being, from being driven by the winds into a, an old uh, coarse wire mesh attic vent uh, and burning house. Um, space pruning. This is simple stuff. It's not logging. It's just basically pruning of uh, uh, grasses and some shrubs and some seedlings and saplings, lower limbs, you know, within 100 feet of homes. It's not about deep out in the wildlands. Whatever happens beyond 100 feet from homes has no effect on whether homes burn or not. It's all about the home itself and that zone within generally 60 to 100 feet around individual homes. And then evacuation assistance and, and, and also things like community fire safe shelters. You know, that would make a big difference in places where a fire starts nearby and there's not much time to evacuate. Um, you know, but basically things that are all directly about community safety. That's where we need to put the money. And that's where the one place where the money's not going because that would mean the logging industry would stop profiting to a spectacular degree off of these subsidies that are being facilitated by both the Republicans and the Democrats. And, and that's really what needs to be daylighted here. You know, it's easy to criticize the U.S. Forest Service. It's easy to criticize state and, and county agencies, and they're definitely culpable. But 
at the end of the day, these policies and these funding decisions are being made by elected officials on both sides of the political aisle at the state and federal level, and they need to be held accountable. Totally agree. Yeah, a phrase I've been tossing around is when it comes to protecting communities from wildfire, there's no place like home. You know, that little bit of like nice pause framing. So, yeah, I mean, there's no real opposition to doing the home protection per se. It's just that there's hardly any funding and very little attention. And all these people are getting this false sense of security like, oh, well, they're cutting down in the forest and the parks. I'm all good. And it's like, no, you're you're not good. And uh, yeah, well, the article was very unfortunate at the same time. It it gave you an opportunity to correct the record there. Definitely encourage and I'll link to your high country or your uh, your rebuttal of high country news and counterpunch. And yeah, I mean, my final take on it is if they had written an opinion piece, it would have been a fine opinion piece. You know, that's what opinion is. I'm going to skew everything to my perspective, maybe a bit dishonest, but all right. And then they're like, hey, uh, Chad Hansen or whoever, we'd like a reply to the opinion, but they did. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, and they, um, you know, I sent them emails after they ran this piece and I pointed out, you know, all the science that they, um, they, they omitted or blatantly misrepresented and also the fact they didn't contact me before uh, before attacking me and also the inaccuracy in their personal attacks. Um, and they just didn't respond for like a week. And finally, I sent them a couple of follow-up emails and I was very polite and professional. Um, and, uh, and finally, they sent me back this one paragraph kind of, you know, uh, non-response response. It was basically just a brush off. And then they haven't responded further. So, you know, again, if you're a responsible, um, you know, uh, news outlet um you, you sure if you want to run an opinion piece run an opinion piece right but then you typically have something from the other side so that the readers can make up their own minds but you don't you don't do uh dishonest one-sided um attacks and um and then basically you know um uh disregard and dismiss uh people when they uh, contact you and say hey wait a minute what's going on here yeah well I'm pretty sad to say that I think uh, this was a piece of just straight up unethical journalism, just like basic journalism 101 was unethical. And I think this puts high country news officially into they're just it's just propaganda. I, I wouldn't recommend anyone reading high country news anymore. I certainly have stopped. You know, I'm OK with seeing opposing points of view. I'm, I'm OK. You know, as a journalist, that was the thing I did. And it actually opened right. my mind to be like. Well, how do I steel man even their argument as opposed to straw man? So I like those exercises, but this stuff was just flat out unethical. And yeah, I don't think there's any coming back from this unless they uh, issue a correction or they do a, a follow up piece. But it seems like they're not. I got the same blanket response as well. You know, high country news, uh, you know, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, I even sent them a, an email and asked them if I could uh, write a, a response piece in High Country News, and they never responded to that. Well, that's unfortunate, but it seems like other media is slowly learning to cover this in a bit more balanced way. And the, the unfortunate fact is this is going to be happening a lot more. So I think that's going to force it more into the public eye, and therefore there will be more coverage so it's almost like it has to get worse before it gets better, I think. That may be that may be the case, but I do think you're right. I do think more environmental journalists and news outlets are starting to uh, open their eyes a little bit and get a little bit more skeptical about these arguments. 
if for no other reason than because every big fire season, they're seeing more communities burn as these fires sweep through these vast areas that were um, that were thinned. And uh, then it started starting to say, well, is this really working? Right. We have the evidence now that all this logging they've been doing is not only not protecting communities, not protecting the forest, it's making everything worse. And yeah, you yep. can't more of that for so long. So yeah, well, thanks so much for being in the lead of exposing this stuff, advocating for forest biodiversity, climate, everything like that. It's really important work. And I think this is, uh, yeah, one of the biggest controversies that's going on and hopefully through work more from folks like you and others, we can start making this more uh, apparent to the public what's really going on. I, th I think so. And I think, you know, the other thing I should mention here just before we sign off is, you know, I, I'm the one who was attacked, you know, directly in this High Country News article. But there are dozens and dozens of us, independent scientists, who are publishing the research that is, you know, politically and economically inconvenient to these logging programs and subsidies, and we're all getting attacked by uh, by scientists who are funded by the U.S. Forest Service or other logging entities, and also occasionally by um, by compromised news outlets uh, that are, for whatever reason, aligned with logging interests. Yes, indeed. I concur. And uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast and thanks for all your work. My pleasure. Thank you.